Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydoke, get a Doctor Who fan to choose a story and to tell me their favourite things about it, but not before I've tried to guess what those might be. Well, I've only gone and done it. I've decided to do... Hello, sorry, welcome to Happy Times and Places. My name is Toby Haydoke and I'm about to watch a Doctor Who story. Um, I'm about to watch a Doctor Who story that largely doesn't move uh, because of uh, the resources available. Uh, that's When it does move, it's in black and white, so it moves at a slightly different pace from the television we're used to today. Uh, and is also uh, just in terms of... Uh, it's the, the movement of the storytelling takes place over 12 episodes, a record, uh, right up until certainly a record uh, when I first uh, came to be aware of it in about 1983 when I got the Doctor Who Radio Times 20th anniversary special in the book Doctor Who A Celebration where I first became aware of stories like a da- the Daleks Master Plan and that's where... That's around the time I also started sniffing around, you know, writings about Doctor Who and, uh, in fact, probably in a Doctor Who celebration because I think there's a quote from a letter to William Hartnell, from William Hartnell to the fan Ian K. McLaughlin, so his name was a bit legendary. He's had a letter from William Hartnell. Uh, uh, And that is who, because I've had the pleasure of meeting him only a handful of times at conventions and and, and do's and things like that, Uh, but he's he's a name that... uh, well, it's a bit of a uh, that is a bit reverent, and he, I think, he is a reverend as well. Um, he's, a, I think, he's, Ian is a man of the cloth, uh, uh, but also a, a great Doctor Who historian. If if you're listening to this, uh, there will be a video version much, much later. Uh, it takes me a while to do those, um, uh, and you want to imagine the voice, uh, the, the the face of the voice we're at here. Ian very much has the aspect of uh, of. Uh, uh, a, a cheerful G- Gandalf, a gnomic Gandalf. Uh, and uh, so uh, you're missing out on the visuals. Uh, the reason I'm doing this intro is because Ian's intro uh, into, you know, I ask ev- all of my guests to do a, sort of to introduce themselves and to sort of give a vague, you know, notion of why they've chosen the story. And then we go through the story one episode at a time. And at the end of each episode, after I've watched it, uh, I will have chosen my favourite thing about the episode and Ian will have chosen his. But Ian's introduction, uh, because I had to check if it, it worked and uh, that uh, I, so I don't listen to the reasons, but another one of the reasons to have the introduction is so that I can make sure that the, the clips work and that everybody knows what they're doing. So I've, I've, I've listened to Ian's introduction and it's um, he, give, he goes into quite some detail and a bit of uh, his historical perspective, which is uh, very handy and very interesting. But uh, it means it's a slightly longer, it's going to take us seven minutes or so before we get into the episode itself. Uh, so that just might be a culture shock for regular listeners. But the beauty of this is each person responds to this challenge in their own way. And some people, you know, give silly reasons. Some people give jokey reasons. Some people go into a lot of detail. Some people go into uh, very short detail. Uh, and Ian uh, gives us a big old lead in. Um, but as I say, I I, I have great admiration for these, uh, these fans who were there um, right back at the beginning and who began the process of chronicling Doctor Who, of tracking down the programme makers uh, and, of, and of getting some of that testimony before, you know, before it was too late um, and for helping to shape our understanding of these brilliant 
dark, early, unreachable days of Doctor Who. So let's go over now to the special guest for this episode, uh, fan of yore, Ian McLaughlin. Hello, I'm Ian McLaughlin. Uh, I have been watching Doctor Who since the very first episode, uh, but I didn't see the original broadcast of it. I saw the repeat on the 30th of December, 1963. And after I saw the first episode, I was hooked on the show and I had to see every episode. So far, I've only missed one, which is uh, the last episode, Assassin of Peking, of Marco Polo. I was involved in the Doctor Who fan club, which Keith Miller used to run uh, a little bit. And then when the Doctor Who Appreciation Society started, I got involved in that. Um, I produced Cosmic Mask for a few years and managed to interview some people from Doctor Who um, in the years in the 1980s. Although I would describe myself as a fan, um, I would have to say that my favourite period of Doctor Who history is definitely the 1960s, and in particular, the Hartnell years. So when I was asked to choose a story that I could uh, help Toby with his uh, uh, project, I immediately wanted a Hartnell one. And I was delighted when I found the Dalek master plan was still available to talk about. The Dalek master plan, I remember uh, bits of it. I remember more than other bits. But um, I would say that it was the kind of Doctor Who story I particularly liked because other favourites of mine were Keys of Malness and The Chase, which meant that the TARDIS didn't stay in the same place all the time, but kept moving to various locations. I liked that, particularly the Dalek Master Plan, which had um, an episode in the past, the Egyptian uh, bit of the story, as well as the future uh, of Earth. And uh, it, it had more aliens in these 12 episodes than I had ever seen before. It's very much uh, an adventure story. And I always saw Doctor Who as one long continuing serial. It didn't um, change from that um, until the Pertwee era when stories were, there was some distance between adventures. But I like the unfolding story. One episode followed the other. And it was a continuing story. So the Dalek Master Plan was exciting. It uh, was a real adventure story. You didn't know what would happen. And it was made in the period that John Wiles was a producer. And uh, if you ask me <clears throat> who my favourite producer of Doctor Who was, I would have to say it was John Wiles. Although I had great respect for Verity Lambert, who started it all off. I think the third season is particularly interesting. Uh, the stories are a very wide range of stories, and you never knew what was going to happen next, particularly uh, with stories like the Dalek Master Plan, when you didn't know from week to week who would actually survive. So it was a very exciting story to watch. I never thought it was over long in 12 episodes, and it's interesting that nowadays, People think that the, one of the best Patrick Troughton serials was The War Games, which was 10 episodes. 
And for much of the 70s and 80s, the feeling was that uh, the War Games was overlong. Nowadays, many people mention it as one of their favourites, if not their favourite, Patrick Troughton adventure. And the War Games was in some ways like the Dalek Master Plan, that it didn't stay in the same place or the same time, although um, that is, is an interesting uh, way of putting it because the different time periods were on the planet. But anyway, it, it moved around, it moved along, uh, it was exciting. And that's what I want from a Doctor Who adventure. And the important thing is um, about the serials in these days is it was ended on a cliffhanger. Every episode virtually ended in a cliffhanger. Not all of them, but most of them. And that was one of the strengths of the programme because it was like these old Saturday morning serials at the cinema where you had an exciting adventure and then it was climax to a cliffhanger and then the cliffhanger was resolved. Um, it's interesting that uh, apparently uh, Dennis Spooner wasn't very happy about uh, what Terry Nation did at the end of uh, uh, Coronas of the Sun and the Feast of Stephen. But that's, again, a very interesting episode, quite unlike any other Doctor Who episode they were. And so that was part of the attraction. Another attraction with Dalek Master Plan was why we had returning aliens, i.e. the Daleks, in these early years, you didn't have a returning personality. There was a, a thought at one time that Ian and Barbara would make a cameo appearance at the end of the massacre, but that didn't happen, sadly. But there were, you, you didn't get a returning character until the meddling monk, very interesting and amusing character, uh, turned up quite unexpectedly in the Daleks' master plan. So you had that, which was very unusual. And then the Dalek Master Plan overall had Mavic Chen. And I believe that Kevin Stoney won a special award for his playing of that particular character. A very uh, interesting character, a very devious character. Um, he wasn't uh, uh, interested in anything but himself. So that's the Dalek Master Plan. Um, it was finally, the, the scripts were published uh, in a two-book two um, set, uh, and it was written by John Peel, uh, which we, we had to wait a, a wee while till we got the master plan, but it was well worth seeing, uh, reading. And um, the sad thing about that master plan is there are only three surviving episodes, and the episodes, all three of them, I think, show you what an interesting and um, well-written and well-performed serial that was. To me, while The Keys of Madness would always uh, be my favourite William Hartnell serial, I would say that the Dalek Master Plan was my second. So thanks to Ian. It's McLachlan, isn't it? So I've I've already done him the disservice of pronouncing his name wrong. Fancy, miss it. The one episode you miss of season one is the final episode of Marco Polo, which is which is the one story from season one that doesn't exist at all. Uh, bless. Uh, so look, I've got a cup of tea. You might have just heard me sup that. I will try and keep uh, slurping to a minimum because I know that's not desirable in the audio medium. Uh, I'm going to start an epic journey 
the nightmare is about to begin. So I am watching the loose cannon reconstruction. Uh, I'm sure there are other ways to consume this episode. And I am going to press play. And the episode will begin in three, two, one. Uh, so the Daleks master plan. Well, it's a it, gosh, it took a while to kick in. That's the nature of the beast here. Um, so, yes, the Daleks master plan. I remember when I first read about it in either the 20, Radio Times 20th anniversary special or Doctor Who celebration. They were the two big educators of fans of, of, of my generation when it was Doctor Who's 20th anniversary and, and, and stuff really kicked in. Um, to, to you know to to mark that and and to and it's what that year is what transformed me from being well I still think I was pr pretty into it but I think that 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 sudden realization that there was a history well I knew from the target books there were old stories but there was a history to mine and to imagine and and beyond those stories that were available through the target books um uh, was was it was it you, you know and I learnt about characters like Katarina companions like Katarina now I don't think she's really a companion um, she joins at the end of the Mythmakers um, uh, but let we'll 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 get into that um, uh, but yes this so so I the, the, you know this epic I mean I think in Doctor Who's celebration it says you know um, one of the longest Doctor Who stories are one of the best uh, and. Uh, you know, value judgments were actually few and far between. It was largely seen as most Doctor Who is pretty good. I mean, Doctor Who celebration is a bit mean about the gunfighters and says the space pirates is slow. Um, the underwater menace and the android invasion are suggested to be a bit subpar, but otherwise it's pretty much everything's ace. Um, I love the sound effects uh, of the jungle. I love. Oh, Charlo, Charlo, Egan instead of Charlie, Charlie Echo. I've, I, I believe that Douglas Camfield um, was responsible for turning some of Terry Nation's 20th century dialogue and nomenclature, the names, um, uh, into, um, in, 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 into, you know, that thing about continental shift. Um you know, uh, uh, so there's characters later, aren't they, called uh, Lizanne and Roald, who are Ronald and Lisa. I, well, I mean, I'm with Camfield here. It's a much better. Uh, it's it it just suggests the, the 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 slight change of language, and and you know we can we can see that happen. I I can see spellings of names that were spelt in a fairly standard way when I was younger, and now there are various different variations. Presumably, that's as parents who don't know how who like the sound of a name but don't know how it's spelt, and that's that's actually true. I remember my mum was a health visitor, and she saw this. Uh, so this 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 name on a you know certificate, and she said, "Oh, what's what's your child called?" And it was S H A Y U N, uh, and it's like, well, well Shane. It's like she, it's, it, the name was Shane, but it was Shayan. Shayan is because they'd heard the name in Neighbours, so they they thought it was Shayan. Shayan. They thought it was S H A Y U N uh, because of the the Australian twang with which they'd heard it pronounced, and they'd like the name, and so that's how they thought it was spelt. So you know that sort of that sort of thing can happen. So. Um, uh, although Roald is a name, Roald Dahl, of course, um, uh, but he was Ronald. Here he is, played by Philip Anthony, an actor who had a long career and was in, uh, uh, around this time of year, a few years ago, a, a BBC Day of the Triffids. Um, so kept going and, and playing decent parts on telly. And he died, as I record this in 2021, 20, he died last year, I think. 
Um, and, you know, still doing signings and attendings. I never had the pleasure of meeting him myself, but he was still still active, still acting. And Lisa, or Lisanne, is played by Pamela Greer, whose real name is, is Lunyasha Yulushanya Greer. Um, she is uh, the widow. She was married to John Carson, who plays Ambril in Snake Dance. And she is a she is a writer now based in Africa, John and and uh, Lou, and and his wife. You, I chickened out then, didn't I? Just because I didn't didn't double check. Uh, uh, anyway, apologies. She won't be listening. Um, uh, I got quite friendly with John, but I never met uh, I never met his wife. Uh, and they moved back to England for a bit, and then then they went they went back to Africa. He they they he loved that country, uh, that continent. Sorry. Um, uh, uh, Michael Guest is playing the uh, interviewer, interviewing Marvik Chen, Kevin Stoney, and on this uh, on this uh, uh, reconstruction, they have a, a, a sort of to, to represent Michael Guest. They've got a screenshot of him playing a a, 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 a Saxon in um, in the Time Meddler as he does. He was an extra in Quatermass in the Pit, actually, um, uh, and sort of plays small parts in all sorts of things. I think he's a Mongol bandit as well, isn't he? In in uh, in Marco Polo, but I suspect he didn't look like uh, a Saxon in the Time Meddler when he was interviewing uh, Marvik Chen. But it doesn't matter. I love, I like this big screen that they have, and I believe that the way that that was shot gave a gave a certain kind of uh, effect. Uh, I think they they put a bit of bit of effort into that, and we we know how ambitious Douglas Camfield was with the visuals, um, and I think that's what we miss when we see this, because of course. Uh, John Wiles is now the producer of Doctor Who and pretty much the first thing he does when he takes over um, uh, Verity Lambert hands over to him sort of during Galaxy 4 and immediately John Cura's telesnaps cease to be part of the production and only begin again when Ennis Lloyd uh, takes over the reins so and unfortunately uh, whilst we you know we probably could have access to telesnaps uh, of uh, uh, of, of many episodes that uh, do exist uh, the Wiles era is largely missing and also is not represented by telesnaps which makes imagining in and indeed as Luce Cannon have done here recreating uh, the Daleks master plan and and various stories of season three which I think is one of the most bold and imaginative seasons uh, in the whole of Doctor Who and certainly one of the most varied um, uh, rather difficult so thanks John Wiles uh, although not to take away the fact that he was quite ambitious in, in the stories he wished to tell in the styles of stories and, and, and season three is I think very grown up um, uh, in terms of its sort of philosophy and its depiction of certain things the Daleks master plan is interesting uh, uh, and I, I'm interested in this journey that we will take I love all of this space security agent stuff the uh, the, or the you know the spooks the expiles the sort of slight conspiracy theory the idea that there's a an earth government and secret agents and uh and, and with names like kurt gantry and brett vion uh, i i love all of that i find all that sort of terry nationy stuff although i as I, th I think they maybe had different names brett vion was originally definitely not called brett vion um uh but but uh, uh but 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 um uh uh, uh, Nation was still good at at names. He quite often used Germanic names, you know, Kurt, Kurt Gantry, um, uh, uh, that that are 
that that have a harshness or a, a slightly grown upness. I think if you've grown up with sort of Second World War comic books and things like that, uh, which is why you, have, you know he has his Dortmunds, doesn't he, and names like that. Every everybody has has pretty good names, I think, in the in the nation stuff, which is why where there's a weakness where I think, you know, Ronald and Lisa and, and then and then uh, Camfield comes in and, and helps out, I think, between them, that it means that all the names are, are, are pretty cool here. Uh, Brian Kant playing Kurt Gantry, very interesting for me as a kid because by, by the time I had become cognizant of Brian Kant, uh, he was a very cheerful, ubiquitous face in children's television. So then when I was reading get out or I'll kill you now he says um, I, and I believe because there's a memo that exists uh, in studio as they are here uh, in a slightly different beard from the one he has on film in the material that still exists but uh, yes it, you know it starts very dramatically you've got these two guys one of them's injured uh, and he says to the other one you know go off or I'll I'll, I'll kill you and and it's all and Brett doesn't say anything I love and I'm I'm a real sucker for that I'll stay behind you go on I mean and in fact I think I've probably mentioned this before because somebody on my patrons uh, alluded to, to, to the fact that I must have um, you know yeah that's the way I want to go out to be to, to, to stay behind and give everybody else time to escape <laughs> that's that's the way I'm, I want to go so if, if that could be arranged you know or just you know stay on the alien spaceship to, to crash it into the other alien spaceship while everyone else goes on the escape pods you know but uh, I'll, st I'll stay to make sure it happens to make sure nothing goes wrong to hold off the guards or whatever um, so we now have a piece of film, a glorious piece of film, uh, which I first saw dubbed with I'm going to spend my Christmas with a Dalek, the song, because that's how it appeared on uh, Doctor Who, the early years, uh, uh, a video cassette. Daleks, the early years, which had the, the Dalek Master Plan episodes and all the missing clips from the, all the existing clips from the from the missing episodes um so so and i remember you know that was really exciting when this this film stuff from episodes one and two turned up and you see that automatically shows when we've got the moving pictures camfield's angle with the dalek there the close-up on the gun the the sweat on brian Kant's face even that wobbly cheek thing that he goes on you know the 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 pelt the the, the fear uh, and the drama um is is never far away when when camfield is is directing which means he's he's perfect for this what i would call and i know it's a slightly archaic phrase but uh, uh, the boy, the boy's own kind of uh, adventuring stuff which is which is as i say one of my my favorite aspects of uh, of the dalek's master plan as are the sounds we can hear now uh these these sort of unnatural jungle caterwauls uh that uh, are the work of uh, brian hodgson who uh, is a great contributor to the weirdness of the Hartnell era and I think the Hartnell era is the weirdest era of Doctor Who in that um, you know sp space and planets and his we do have a shot of the, the TARDIS appearing on film so that's another bit we have of the Dalek master plan and I think I I think that was first shown in a in a uh, to me in a documentary called Resistance is Useless that largely made me furious because it had a talking anorak um, and you know showed you know said things like um the show prides itself on its special effects for little money and then showed the scarrison which was a special effect even the production team at the time had not been happy with it and you go just don't take the piss it's easy you can either do a celebratory one or you can take the piss why why take the piss 
um, when this is supposed to be heralding a season of repeats, it's actually counterproductive. But also, it's lazy and it's cheap, so I was furious. Although, actually, I noticed today I am actually Facebook friends with the voice of the Anorak. I should interview him, Steve Steen. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, we know each other through uh, through because you know the world of stand, uh, the world of comedy. Um, although I don't think I've actually met Steve, but we are we are online mates and we have conversed online. Uh, not about the Anorak, and I don't blame him. He just took a voiceover job. Um, but um, I do want to punch that anorak and uh, probably um, repeatedly kick in the balls um, every uh, person in charge of uh, making the decisions for that documentary, which was, you know, well put together and hadn't missing clips on. But don't take the piss. Come on. Uh, and I say that as a stand up comic. Anyway, let's not digress. So this is a great and The Nightmare Begins uh, is a title that suggests, oh, yeah, we know we're at the start of an epic. I sort of feel sorry for John Wiles because I know that he and his script editor Donald Tosh um, did not want to do this story. They weren't wild about the Daleks. And, and I think this almost f finished them off so that we don't then get many stories of the kind that they would have liked to have done because they uh, they both leave. Um, so I, I would have been really interested to see more of Wiles and Tosh. Uh, the picture on the screen now that I have is, is, is the one from the Radio Times, I think, of... Uh, Katerina mopping Stephen's brow and we and I believe it's one of the mysteries of Doctor Who is when does Stephen change into the corduroy jacket we see him in later and and when does he change out of his Trojan gear presumably that's that's between episodes but I don't know but there is there is an issue with Stephen's clothes uh because of this picture that we have from the Radio Times that otherwise doesn't exist um so I wonder if there are more photos kicking around from uh, the Daleks Master Plan, episode one. It's always nice when a, a cache of photos turns up from stories that are poorly represented. Um, and I mean, I remember being shocked, of course, when I learned about missing episodes and you'd go, well, at the Dalek Master Plan, there's, there's 12 episodes and Doctor Who Celebration says it's one of the best Doctor Who stories ever. And then uh, in Doctor Who Celebration at the back, it's got the list of missing episodes. You've got, what, there are none? But then the Radio Times 20th anniversary special had a list of missing episodes but it listed them by their individual titles it didn't break them up into stories so if you didn't know what the stories you could sort of guess that assassin at peking was marco polo you know you could get but when it got to the daleks master plan uh, it seemed to the nightmare begins seemed to be the, the you know the beginning of that oh and it followed from mission to the unknown so you got to the nightmare begins but then there were only 10 episodes listed so i actually wrote to the bbc and instead of saying i said i said there these episodes i think are the ones from the daleks master plan uh does that mean two have been found blah, blah, blah. and i only found and they, they just wrote back and you know said we haven't got any lists is the general thing that the production team sends out and it was uh you know it was a it was a thing from the doctor production team that had agents addresses of uh, uh of of the actors and you know it was a, it was a standard thing that was sent out which was still thrilling to get but uh, i really wanted to know about missing episodes even though there was never a chance of seeing even episodes that existed at that point um but so yeah the 20th anniversary special from the radio times and doctor who celebration that came out around about the same time both had different information about what was missing from the daleks master plan because uh, the two episodes that were the first to come back of this story had had come obviously come back in between celebration going into print and 20th anniversary special going into print so i had a sort of tantalizing i'd got a theory uh even though i didn't know for sure because the 20th anniversary special hadn't broken up it, it up into episodes 
Uh, Hartnell has to do a lot of talking to himself, and he's very good at it, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and it's hard to do, and it's a bit phony, and it's, you know, you, you try not to ask people to do it now. Um, but, but Hartnell, because he's slightly dotty and hoots to himself, uh, is, is rather good at it. Oh, is this where the spa lands as well? That was another thing that I think I saw in, in Resistance is, is, is useless. Oh, no, that's just, that's just the noise of a spaceship moving over. Um, but I remember that was footage that didn't exist and I saw it. I knew it was the spa spaceship because I'd seen pictures. Uh, so I'd got an inkling that some film had come back from the Daleks' master plan before it was reported. So I keep, yes, I keep seeing bits of the Daleks' master plan b before I know that those bits are actually back. So hopefully I'll accidentally watch episode 12 by mistake one day somewhere. Ah. Um, uh, but, but yes, um, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a sort of epic, and of course leading on from Mission to the Unknown, which is like a, a trailer that I've offered to, 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 to other people for this podcast separately so i don't know who's going to do mission to the unknown uh which i i like very much was a was an episode that i was introduced to very early in the doc 2 archive in doc 2 magazine but i i didn't quite know what the archive was i didn't know what archive meant i thought it was called doc 2 achieves um and I, I i didn't understand what this was because it seemed to be a synopsis of a story that didn't have the doctor in and i didn't quite understand that and there was no explanation it just had the synopsis um so i learned i learned much later obviously you know it was a it was a trailer uh, you know, it's a, 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 a soul, soul, soul episode without without any of the TARDIS crew. Um, but yes, uh, so the TARDIS crew are Katarina, who for ages we had no moving footage of at all. And when I first read about Katarina, uh, here she is. She, uh, you know, I thought she was a she joined in the Myth Makers. It said so. I assumed she was a character in the Myth Makers who the Doctor took with him but as as with dodo who follows uh you know the companion isn't actually part of the story that they join in they just sort of wander in at the end um and and i remember reading an interview with adrian hill where she said oh yes you know when, when i joined it was lovely because because other people were just leaving like max adrian and francis white and i thought well they weren't leaving they were the guest stars of that story they were, it's not like they, they were a companion like you who would join and who would leave. Would, and I thought, oh, that's... The, and then it was only later that I realised, oh, the reason she said um, uh, they, they were leaving... Because they actually were in as many episodes as her, pretty much, or not, not far off. Oh, there's a Varga plant. I mean, we didn't have photos of those for ages, the great uh, sort of candy floss beasts of uh, old Kemble Town. Um, and I love this continuation of the Mark Corey story, the fact that we have Mark Corey's corpse and, and the recording. I, it really does feel like an epic. You know, the, it, I, I, I love him sort of. I love the fact that he gets killed at the end of Mission to the Unknown. And now we have his skeleton. And I, I, and I love the fact there's been a whole story in between. Oh, here's the spa. Look at that. Brilliant. I love that. And I look at the way that the, 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 the two different bits go around at two different speeds. That's an excellent model. It's an excellent ship. Uh, and I'm glad we can see it moving. That's a, that's a brilliant piece of work. Um, uh, and the Daleks look good in this. So I love all of this space conference stuff. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I really like the idea just in the expanded universe of, of Doctor Who that, you know, we've had this, this solo adventure without 
without the doctor and now the doctor comes and catches up on what we know of from from that little interlude that we had and, and the idea that you know Corey's corpse is a skeleton now and has that recording that we he tried to send and couldn't ah but now he's not going to have died in vain because somebody will hear his message and uh uh, and, and it's nice that he and that adventure live on in the in the DNA of this. I really like that. Um, uh, and we haven't mentioned, of course, Brett Vion, Nicholas Courtney, uh, who's great. Um, and and you know, brings comes comes to the beginning of his uh, his association with Doctor Who. And I remember you know his picture being in. Um, uh, being in Doctor Who celebration, it's like, oh gosh, Nick, the Brigadier was in Doctor Who before, so he really has worked with uh, every Doctor, which he had at, at that point. Um, and and there's all sorts of funny little things in this episode. Yes, yeah, so there's the chair that immobilizes Brett Vian. Uh, there's the business with the key in the lock, isn't there? Um, leaving the key in the lock. Um, and it's it's a shame for Katarina that they sort of chickened out of of of, of having her. Um, but you know that debate as to whether she's a companion. She filmed her leaving scene first because it was done on on film. I think she she leaves her, so she was never taken on as a you know a full time character and then sort of axed as it were. She was she was dead as soon as she began because she'd done the filming for Master Plan. Um, as pr as pretty much I think the first thing she did. Um, and she and she's not listed in the the Radio Times in the sort of companion billing. Now the many Radio Times sort of shifts about, but it's largely starring Doctor Who with the companions and then the guest stars, and then it starts starring Doctor Who with the guest stars and the companions. Um, uh, but but um, Adrian Hill doesn't get companion billing at all in the Radio Times, and that's something that even. Samantha Briggs, even Pauline Collins in the Faceless Ones gets for a couple of episodes. So, um, uh, but you know, she's she's infused in our in our collective memory as she is one of the companions, and it was exciting because she was one of the companions who died. Oh my God, there are companions who die, and they happen in the old-fashioned Hartnell era. Now, this is going to be so that was quite a, a, an astonishing revelation as a. As a as a kid, and then you discovered that actually the two companions who died, one was in essentially a third of one story, all right, and ten minutes of the Myth Makers, uh, and the other one is in just this story. So I always think it's a bit of a stretch. However, it's within our consciousness that Katerina and Sarah Kingdom are companions, in the same way it's within our consciousness that. The Daleks is called the Daleks and the Edge of Destruction is called the Edge of Destruction and Mission to the Unknown is called Mission to the Unknown. And I won't hear from anyone otherwise. Um, I, d I, didn't, I didn't talk closely about the ins and outs of that episode. Uh, well, I did a bit. I talked about the names. No, I'm fine. I'm not apologising. I don't care. It's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot to say about the Daleks master plan. I should hope so because I've got to watch the whole of it. Um, I, I do like that the way that it sets itself up as a continuation uh, of, of, of mission to the unknown um, uh, that 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 sort of special you know the space service stuff that it has going on um, you know the, the James Bond in space that that uh, that Brett Vion is um, I, I like the names um, I love Mavic Chen I mean I will eulogize Kevin Stoney uh, at many points throughout the next uh, 12 episodes um, 
well, well, apart from Christmas. Um, but my favourite thing of that, I think my favourite thing of 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 that, and I because uh, Brian Hodgson's Jungle Music is 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 Jungle Music. No, that's terrible. Not Jungle Music. Jungle Sounds. Uh, uh, <laughs> tight, <laughs> tight, tight fit, aren't they? Going a wimber way, a wimber way. Um, is that what jungle music is? I do, is jungle music a genre of music? I don't know. Um, but it's not what I meant. I meant jungle noises, alien caterwauling screeches and all of that, which I think are gorgeous and beautiful. And as I say, Brian Hodgson is one of the, the great undersung heroes of Doctor Who, particularly the work in the 60s, where I think the show has a very strange and unsettling approach to the way it tells stories of outer space. Outer space is dangerous and weird and strange and unsettling. And I think as we've got used to science fiction, the programme makers have, have, have taken sort of alien worlds in their stride, whereas I think in the Hartnell era they're not. They're still a bit weird and off-putting and slightly strange and slightly... And I think it's partially because we can't touch and feel and see some of these episodes and the, and the pictures that we have. Are, you know, we can't quite get a handle on, on, on what they look like. or But they, it does... It, all the sets have slightly... Uh, some of their sci-fi stories in the heart. Of the, you know, the, tr the alien trees are a sort of odd shape and they're a slightly weird thing, you know. Um, but I think the thing I am going to choose as my favourite thing for episode one is that this is a continuation of... Uh, a mission to the unknown and that, and that we have this space security agents and that we have Mark Corey's corpse and that, that 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 this feels like it's the beginning of a of an epic set in this sort of wider big world of well universe of galaxies and different planets and 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 and, uh, and, and, and sort of scale I like all of that if Ian gets anywhere close to that I'm going to have the point but I suspect he won't because it's quite a nebulous thing I've chosen. So, I've been asked to say something about um, each episode, a particular highlight or a particular special fun something. We begin with The Nightmare Begins. What I like about this episode is it carries on where the previous Horse of Destruction left off. We have Katerina tending to an injured Stephen. It was a shock that Katerina suddenly appeared on the TARDIS in the previous episode. And it was a bit worrying that Stephen was injured and could the Doctor help him? Could he find some way of helping him? William Hartnell's Doctor was many things. And one of the things, he didn't get things right all the time. And he was looking for some way of uh, helping his injured Stephen. And I thought it was interesting that Stephen was was made better, not by the Doctor, but by Brett Vian. And uh, what I like about this uh, episode is uh, the thing was the Doctor didn't come to the rescue in this one. It was Brett Vian. Ah, I got really excited then when he said, the thing I like about this episode is that the continues on from, I thought he's going to say Mission to the Unknown, uh, the Horse of Destruction, uh, which it does. Um, I mean, th th one of the things that was a big surprise to me when I first started, uh, when I first saw a William Hartnell story, when I saw An Unearthly Child, um, uh, is, you know, that episode four ends with a cliffhanger into the next story, and it really was, you know, an adventure in time and space. Um, so... You know, I suppose no surprise that it continues, but it continues very, very directly. And yes, and that's very true. That idea that Stephen 
is still injured from what happened in the previous story again gives a gives a, a sort of connectedness between the stories and a sense of a continually flowing adventure which does seem somehow more epic than than perhaps the doctor who that i was used to which is a story ends and you go on to the next one and there's a few you know um interstory cliffhangers in in the davison era but they were they were quite unusual and i and again i didn't quite realize that they were they were harking back to how things were done before and yes there was the East space trilogy that was sort of connected but but this this still feels sort of interesting and strange to me even though it predates the episodes that i know so it was it's an interesting way of, of how they used to do things so that's a good choice for me and i, I was almost gonna say i i deserve a, a bit of a point for that but then he started talking about it was brett vine that cured Stephen, which is yeah which is a good point and and a lot of that interaction that i I'm afraid I talked over uh, the interaction between those characters in the TARDIS. Um, so I, I can't have a point, um, but I, th I think Ian makes a, a very good point um, about the interconnectedness of the stories and the flow of it. Um, it's a very good, strong first episode. That's a, you know, the nightmare begins. It's aware it's on the way to an epic. If you've heard some sort of noise in the background, by the way, that is my dear friend and dog bernard who's having a bit of a snore so um he's obviously decided that 12 episodes is is not going to be his bag uh, so if you've heard a little bit of what sounds like a, a an engine running down uh, that's a, that's a, that's a cockapoo in the in the land of nod um well look i will return with episode two of 12 uh, we're in it for the long haul people of the dalek master plan in the company of the great ian k mclachlan next time but in the meantime uh, stay well and thanks for watching and or as the majority of you do listening goodbye now thank you so much for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me toby haydoke and my special guest ian k mcclachlan these commentaries would be impossible without the support of patrons who include Philip Craggs, Richard Bignall, Chris Hyam, Frank Shales, Graham Cooley, Nick Tedston, Steve Manfred, Tom Neenan, Ronald Hayden, Jeff Walker, Richie, David Trainier, Ian Dean, Andrew Wilson, Ralph Chilton, Robin Bland, Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Stroll, David Anonymous, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Carrington, Paul Cook, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, Chris Dunford Kelk, and everyone else who I will mention at another time. The music was by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. And if you would like to be on that list of names, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and support these podcasts financially for as little as £3 a month. Uh, and for that £3, you get access to most things. It's a fairly egalitarian system on Haydoke Patron, uh, where you get bonus material, advanced releases, uh, little extra little bits of insight and content, uh, even from the very smallest tier, which you can even get a 10% discount on top of if you sign up for an entire year. Now, the monthly thing is a bit of a commitment, I understand that. So, I'll tell you what, if you're uh, listening to me busking and you particularly like the tune I'm playing, you can uh, throw some virtual money into my virtual hat at ko 
forward slash Toby Haydock, which is a one-off payment system uh, that's uh, relatively simple to operate. So uh, go there and do that if uh, you think I'm, as I say, playing a particularly funky tune. Uh, and if you can do neither or don't want to, that's fine. I think, you know, that's uh, this is a very new way of doing things. and I'm quite enjoying it, and I hope you are too, and I'm very grateful for all the support I've been given thus far. However... What you can do that costs you no money, if you would prefer, is to simply go to iTunes or your podcast provider and give Toby Haydock's Time Travels five stars and perhaps a couple of lines of review as well. Both of those things uh, have stalled lately and they really, really do help to keep us uh, you know, top of the algorithms. And that's important when you're one of many Doctor Who podcasts. And come see me do some stand-up comedy at Excess Malarkey in Manchester every Tuesday night at 8pm. I host a bill with four fantastic comedians from the national circuit. And we take that online, for those of you not anywhere near Manchester, once a month, the first Sunday of every month, at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. And that's me emceeing four brilliant acts from around the world, because geography does not need to constrain us. We've had all sorts of fabulous people, from uh, people who've appeared in Parks and Rec to people who've appeared in 30 Rock to people who've appeared at uh, the Frog and Bucket in Ancoats on a Friday night. Everybody from all over the circuit and the world, and what a rich seam that is to mine. That's if you're inclined to enjoy a bit of comedy. Excess Malarkey, online, first Sunday of the month, or, as I say, maybe come and see us in the flesh on a Tuesday. Excess Malarkey is at Excess Malarkey on Twitter. An X, an S, the word Malarkey, all small case. And I'm on at Toby Haydoke, and these podcasts on at Haydoke Podcasts. I actually honestly thought that one meandered a bit, but uh, I've got 12 episodes to get through, so I can't do it again. So I hope it was all right.